Amen. Welcome home, everybody. Can I see the hands of our first-time guests today? Any first-time guests? we got one right here. Let's welcome uh, all of our guests, our guests into the house of the Lord. Thank you so much for being with us. I know there's some people watching online. First time, welcome home. There's a place for everybody here. And um, I really believe that. I know that's a little saying we have, there's a place for everyone. Uh, but I really believe that. I believe that when you're born again into God's family, there is a specific place that he has for you. And it's uh, not just our job, but it's your job to ask the Lord, Lord, where do I need to fit in this body of Christ? And I promise you, if you're looking, and most importantly, if you're humble and willing to go wherever he leads you, you'll find that that place he places you in is a place full of peace, it's full of fulfillment, and um, it's, it's exactly what we want. I know a lot of times, and this is, this is the Christian life, we want things done our way, and when we don't, things aren't happening the way we want, we get frustrated. But how many, how many of y'all have lived long enough to understand uh, that most of the good things that have happened in your life didn't happen because you wanted them to happen? The Lord changed your plans, changed whatever, and it turned out a lot better than what you had planned. So just remember that. I got a couple of announcements before we get into today's message. Number one, our Christmas Eve service is going to be on Christmas Eve next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday. And we're going to have two services, one at three and one at five. I know it's a little bit different. Um, we're going to try it a little bit different this year. Uh, I know we've I've seen some other churches have um, kind of earlier Christmas Eve services. The reason we're doing that is so that you can be with your families uh, in, on the in the evening of Christmas Eve and, and spend time with them eating and, and just hanging out. So we're going to have two services. We'll also, we're also needing uh, volunteers to serve during both services. If we have enough volunteers, then uh, as we do on Sunday morning, we can attend one service and then serve one service. So please reach out uh, to Kingdom Century. We call the office to volunteer uh, specifically for those services. Um, another thing that we announced last year is last year, last week is our, and I, I didn't really name it, but I'm naming it our Christmas initiative. And so it, God placed on my heart a few months ago for us to uh, take care of the needs of those in our church. And so I really feel like, um, you know, and, and I kind of spoke about this last week, you know, when you go through a tough season and it's like, okay, it's a tough season, then eventually you come out. I feel like this season has been a longer season. It's really way down on on everybody. And so God has blessed uh, Kingdom Church in every way this year. And one of the ways he's blessed us is financially. And so um, we're going to, we have a couple things. First of all, we're going to take care. Um, we have a, uh, a gift. Um, we're going to provide finances, specifically gift cards for um, single parents, single parents with children in their homes. Uh, so that they, their kids can have a good Christmas this year. That's one thing that God specifically placed in our heart. So if you feel uh, led to give to that, you can designate that when you give in the tithing box at the back of the church or when you give online. I believe it's, um, shoot, what is it called? The, um, the tab. Forward slash give. But there, there's, a, there's a tab on the, on the give. Uh, Benevolence, thank you. I can never remember that word. Benevolence, there's a, a place to get where you just, uh, just go to the benevolence and then you can indicate, hey, this is for a Christmas initiative. And we're going to help our single, single, how many of y'all want to help single parents this Christmas? Amen. How many, how many believe, many of us have been single parents before. And so um, 
Christmas can be really hard. So that's one way that we're going to be uh, taking care of families. Another way is if you have been struggling financially the last couple months, a lot of us been struggling financially all year, uh, there has been funds set aside so that we can help you during this season. Um, and uh, we had, we've had a couple people reach out. And I, let me just say this. I know that can be um, embarrassing. That can be, like, I don't want people to think that, um, you, know, I, you know, I can't, I don't have my life together. Uh, everybody this year has struggled in one way or another. And so one of the things, one of the verses that got placed on my heart was in Acts 2, where the Bible says they were all together in one place and they were taking care of each other's needs. The Bible actually says they sold their possessions and provided for one another. And so as you're doing this, first of all, I don't want you to feel uh, ashamed or, or, or embarrassed or whatever. We all, there's, all of us have at one time or another been in a place where we needed help. Second of all, I want you to pray about it. Um, if you feel peace to reach out, please do. Do not feel embarrassed. We're not going to tell everybody, hey, we helped this person, I helped that family. We're not going to do that. Um, we do want to help, but at the same time, we want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this something that I need to take advantage of? Is this something that I need to do? Let me tell you, he may tell you no. And if he tells you no, you're going to have to step out in faith and trust that something better is going to come along. And I've, I've seen that many times. So uh, no, 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 uh, no shame, no embarrassment. And second of all, ask the Lord. And I promise you, if you do those two things, uh, then the Lord will provide. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah. Amen. One more thing, and then again to the sermon. Uh, Many of y'all know we had an election this year, and I know the presidential election is slowly wrapping up, but there is a local election uh, that is in a runoff, there's a runoff race for uh, a couple seats in our city. I really want to encourage you, if you, maybe you vote, maybe you didn't vote, but if you voted the first time, there's still a couple, again, a couple of um, seats in our, government, our local government that need to be filled. So would you please, uh, the last day to vote is this Tuesday, would you please ask the Lord, do some research and ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want, uh, who do you want me to put in place? And I don't want to go into all that again, but uh, one, of, I, one of the things I believe we've been given is this vote, and the vote is to infuse righteousness back into our nation, starting with our local government. And so you may say, well, my vote doesn't matter. My vote, you know, it's just one vote. Well, first of all, it, there's fewer people voting this time around, so it really doesn't matter. But second of all, uh, what you're doing is you're telling the Lord, Lord, I am stewarding this, uh, this, um, I'm stewarding this talent, I'm stewarding this vote before you. And so I promise if you do that, he'll see it from heaven and he'll take care of you. This is, this, again, we live in God's economy. When we do things his way, he takes care of us. We don't have to worry about the government. We don't have to worry about all these things. But if we are involved to the degree that we're supposed to, then God looks down from heaven and says, hey, he's stewarding what I've given him well. I'm going to take care of him. That's the way God's economy works. So just kind of keep those things in mind. We're in a series called Honoring Marriage. We're going to pray in just a second. Um, this is our fifth week. I think we got probably one, maybe two more weeks of this uh, series. How many of y'all have been encouraged by this series? Um, the series is about, and I'm going to read from it in just a second, but it's about learning to honor marriage. One of the reasons why marriages are falling apart is because we're not honoring marriage. And one of the reasons we don't honor marriage is because we don't even know what marriage is about. We, all we know marriage to be is when we met up one day, we dressed up and we had cake and went on a honeymoon and then that's marriage. Marriage is so much more than that. And this is what this series, uh, I believe what the series, we're in this series is to 
bring biblical information to every person so that uh, we can honor our marriages. When we honor our marriages, God will bless our marriages. So how many of y'all want to bless marriage? I mean, we all do. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just invite you into this place. We thank you for every blessing that you have given us. And Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our lives. You're faithful. In this season, God, you are going to prove yourself faithful. You're going to prove yourself faithful. Your word says, I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to look upon your goodness. Even though I may not understand what's going on in my life personally, I know that I'm going to see your goodness in my life, and I'll wait patiently for it. And Father, we pray that you would open up our, our hearts and ears to understand what you are saying to us about marriage. Help us to honor marriage. Help us to not view it the way that we were taught or maybe even through our past experiences. But Father, help us to have a biblical view, your view of marriage. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 13 verse 4, this is kind of the verse, the, verse, um, the theme, main verse of our series. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. What does honor mean? High respect or esteem. I want to ask you a question. How well are you respecting marriage? How well are you honoring your spouse? Honor is something that is not earned. Honor is something that is given. You give honor. Now, respect is, in a, in a sense, earned. But you honor marriage. You choose to place a, a high value on this holy institution that you, took, that you um, committed yourself to however long ago. Whenever we can honor marriage, God will bless it. God tells us to honor it and for it to be undefiled. Now, today we're starting a two-part series. And it's a mess- the message is called The Four Laws of Marriage. The Four Laws of Marriage. This is a message from Pastor Jimmy Evans. Um, and it's, it's a really good one. How many of y'all knew that marriage had laws? How, how many know there were laws of marriage? Okay, a few people, maybe some of us. Let me ask you, what are laws for? Laws are rules and procedures that protect people. There are rules and procedures. What if we didn't have any laws? What if there weren't stop signs? People would crash into each other, and then the insurance agencies would get rich, right? Even more rich than they are now. If there weren't laws, then people would hurt one another. One of the reasons we have laws is to protect ourselves from one another. Even if you're a believer, right? Even if you're a believer and you love the Lord, if, there, if we didn't have a law against theft or against finding loopholes or, or finding these different things, what would we do? We would take advantage of it. Laws were given even to us believers to say, hey, if you cross this line, these will be the consequences. I think it's really important. We're human beings. As a, uh, Living so long, I've realized that it doesn't matter how much I, I know the Lord. I still, does, I still need to have these consequences in my life that if I pass this line, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer these consequences. And so um, this is one of the reasons we have laws. Now imagine, many of us didn't know there were laws. Now imagine what happens if you violate the laws of marriage. What do you have? Chaos. If there were no stop signs, you'd have chaos on the streets. If we violate the laws of marriage, we find chaos. And unfortunately, many of us have experienced that, right? 
I want you to look at Genesis 2, verse 18. We're going to read this passage. This passage, in this passage, uh, God creates um, God creates Eve. And so I want us to read it. And in this passage, we're going to find the four laws of marriage. We're going to go over the first two today. And the next two, we're going to go over the last two. Genesis 2, verse 18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man that the man should be alone. Talk about Adam. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then Adam said, this at last, at last, literally at last, the last thing God created is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Here are the four laws right here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife are both naked and were not ashamed. Do y'all see the four laws? How many of y'all say, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. There's not a number system. There's nothing in there. These last two verses contain the four laws of marriage, and we're going to go over the first two today. I want to encourage you. I've said this a few times throughout the series. You have a 100% chance of marriage, 100%. Many of us um, don't believe that because of our, again, our experiences, but you have a 100% chance of having a successful marriage when you obey God's laws and you do it his way. Uh, Pastor Jimmy, he said, it's not complicated. If it were complicated, he said, no one would be able to be married. It's not complicated when we understand what marriage is about and we obey the laws of marriage. So this is the first law. Look at Genesis 2, verse 24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. And then we'll get to the second part. A man shall leave his father and his mother. The first law is the law of priority. Think about this. Before you get married, which relationships are most important to you? Your family, right? Your parents. How many of y'all were are still close to your parents, and for sure before you're married, you could say your family was the closest relationship that you had, right? It's natural. It's natural. We, we grow up in our family's homes, and I know some of us have kind of rocky relationships with our, with our family or parents, but naturally, the closest uh, family or friendships or relationships that you have are your family relationships. This is why we have a commandment from the Lord for a man to leave his father and his mother because it's not natural to do that. It can be difficult, but when you get married, you have to begin to reposition your relationships. I remember I had a conversation with um, somebody a while back, and uh, they were recently married, and you know they were doing well, and then something happened with, uh, with their parents, and family member passed away, and so they were, they were constantly, uh, um, one of them were, were constantly with, with the other parent who was still alive, and eventually they were, began to have issues, and, and I remember they came up to me, and I just had a conversation with them and said, hey, I know this is really difficult for your family. I know you want to be there, 
for for your parent, but ultimately you are married to your spouse, and you have to trust the Lord that the Lord is going to take care of the the remaining parents. This is the law of priority. I'm not saying that you can't be there for your, your parents or for that parent or for whatever the situation may be. But if you begin to if you begin to place a family member or friend above your spouse, then the marriage is not at first priority, and then you're breaking this law. Marriage, it ha- the number one law of marriage is the law of priority. Marriage only works in first place. This is why the first law. You have to put your spouse first. So as we're talking, I want you just to take an inventory. Where have you been placing your spouse lately? Who's, fir- who's, who's first in your life? Is it, are, is it your kids? Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Your spouse has to be first. There's a study that went out that couples are most happy at the beginning of marriage. Okay, and that's, right, you have the honeymoon, you have the wedding. And, but do you, do you know, apart from those things, do you know why uh, couples are most happy at the beginning of marriage? Because you have just spent months or possibly longer preparing for a wedding. You've been thinking about one another, what you're going to wear. You've been in constant communication. You've done everything together. Then you have this one. You go on this honeymoon. Guess who's number one in your life at that point? Your spouse. This is why couples are happiest because they have just been, been putting each other at the, top, at the top of their priority list for the past several weeks, months, and even years. This is why they're the happiest. But what happens? Nothing has happened to upset their priority of marriage. But then what happens? Children come in. The, the study goes on to say that when children come in, the satisfaction of marriage goes down. Husband turns the attention to the career, for providing for the family, which there's nothing wrong with that. Men need to, need to provide. Women can do that too these days, but traditionally it's men. And then traditionally, going traditionally, I don't want to offend anybody, traditionally, women pay attention to the children. And again, nothing wrong with that, but what begins to happen is the husband does not have the wife as the number one priority, and the wife does not have the husband as a number one priority. And then it gets even worse when kids enter into secondary education. How many of y'all have had kids who have played sports, they've had been on traveling teams, they've, they've been in band, orchestra, choir, uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all these things. There's even, how many of y'all know there's even less time for your spouse? What begins to happen? Your spouse comes out of that top level of priority to maybe the second level, maybe the third level, and guess what's happening? You're breaking a law. Again, what happens when you break a law in real life and you get caught? There's consequences. Many people are suffering in marriage because unknowingly or possibly knowingly, uh, they do not have their spouse as their number one priority in their life. Did you know that God made marriage to get better every year? How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all have experienced that? (laughs) Right? A lot of us don't believe it because it's like, okay, well, that's not been my that's not been my um, experience. That's not been the case in my life. But God made marriage to get better every year. Why do we think it's supposed to get worse? Remember, we're married to Jesus. We learned this during the first lesson. Our marriage with another person here on earth is the earthly, listen, the earthly example of the real thing that we have with, with Jesus. And so I want to ask you, ask you this question a different way. 
How many of y'all have, have a better relationship with Jesus now than you did when you first had, uh, when you first came to him? I know I do. Okay. That is, the, that is the real example, not just the spiritual, but the real one. Then how come, then how come we don't see that in our lives? It's because just like in our relationship with the Lord, when you don't put him in that first place, then the relationship suffers and then we begin to experience all these negative emotions and things that God never intended us to, to experience. It's the same way with marriage. Now, God puts something in marriages to ensure or to try to ensure that our, our spouse is first. You know what it is? It's called jealousy. God places in something inside of you that says, hey, you belong to me first. First. It's called jealousy. It's one of the reasons we get jealous. Hey, it, now, there is a legitimate jealousy and there is a illegitimate jealousy. An illegitimate jealousy says, hey, you only belong to me. You can't do anything. An illegitimate jealousy is unhealthy and it, and it keeps, uh, um, keeps spouses from having any type of relationship with anyone else. And many times people are jealous, have this negative jealousy because they are looking to their spouse for something that they only should be looking to the Lord for. Now, this, this, I'm not, I didn't want to go, in, I'm not going to go into this very much more, but there's a difference. A healthy jealousy, a legitimate jealousy happens when instinctively, because remember, a marriage is a union between a man and a woman. It's, a, it's not just a physical or emotional, it's also a spiritual. This spiritual union only happens when you get married. You, can't, you can live with somebody, you can, you can join yourself physically, emotionally, but the spiritual union only happens at marriage because God created marriage and only he can join two spirits together. God places something inside of, of marriages when they get married and it's called jealousy and it's, it's this, that they are going, that your spouse is supposed to be the most important person, important, important anything to you other than the Lord and everyone else comes second. This is why, and maybe you can identify this, with this, whenever a spouse or a lot of times it's, it's the wife begins to pay attention to the kids, the husband gets jealous. How many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand, have heard of that or, or you've experienced that. And you think, and, and, and a lot of times you'll find the wife guilt trip. What do you mean you're jealous? There are kids. You, we created this kid. What do you mean you're jealous? What do you mean you're, I'm not paying attention to you? It is possible to put your kids before your spouse, and guess what? It is harmful. I'm going to talk, to, talk about more of that in just a second with their kids. But our spouse comes first. We have this thing called jealousy. Did you know that God, one of God's names is jealous? Did you know one of his many names is jealous? Look at Exodus 34. In this passage, God is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's telling them, hey, you're, going to, you're about to go into the promised land, but when you get there, make sure that you only worship me. Don't worship the other gods that are around, that are in the land. Listen carefully in verse 12. It says, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you are going, lest it become a snare or trap in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. Listen to this, verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Let's keep reading. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore, listen to this word, after their gods, and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters, and, and your daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. 
What do you call somebody, and you don't have to answer out loud, that consistently cheats on their spouse? You don't have to say out loud, you're already thinking it. This is exactly what God is saying. This is, the, this is why he uses this terminology. It's because when we are not seeking the Lord, when we're not putting him first, we are cheating on him. This is why he uses the word whore. This is why we're jealous in relationships, because God was for, is first jealous of us. Again, the real thing is our relationship with him. And the Bible says God's name is jealous. Aren't you glad that we have a God who is jealous of us and is fighting for our relationship with him? This is the same attitude that we have to have in our spouse, that it doesn't matter what happens. There may be a season where things are out of alignment, but when we realize that we say, no, I'm going, I am jealous for my spouse. I have this healthy desire to have my spouse as the most important person in my life, but it doesn't matter who else is in my household, it doesn't matter who else is in my, in my family, my extended family, or friends or a job, I'm going to put my spouse first. We do this because Jesus is that way towards us. He's a jealous God, and he is on a mission to make sure that nothing takes his place because he knows this truth, that when we don't put him first, nothing works out in our life. It's the same thing in our relationships. When our spouses are not first in our life, nothing's going to work in our marriage. Now, God is merciful. I think one of the reasons why he allows us to keep going on is because he has his mercy, and he doesn't destroy us. But the truth is, when, we this, when this priority is not, when we don't have our spouse as our number one priority, uh, we have an open door to the enemy to wreak havoc in our lives. I love this. Jealousy means intolerant of any rival. I will not have another rival in my life. Now, there are four ways to reestablish right priority marriage. I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. Four ways, if, you're pro- if you do not have the right priority in your life as it, as it comes to marriage, this, there are four things that you need to look at. Number one is sacrifice. This is a question you're at, you're, you're, you, that you, you are asking your spouse and your spouse is asking you, what will you give up for me? What is... Um, what is stopping us from having each other as the top priority in our life? You need to, to ask yourself this question, what do I need to give up for the sake of my marriage? Sacrifice, what do I need to lay on the altar so that it'll burn up and disappear? Maybe not forever for the time being, so that my spouse is number one. You know why we don't want to sacrifice things? Because after we've we've been married for a period of time and, and things are out of order, we find things that, that other, than our, other than the Lord and other than, the, than our spouse that give us meaning. It could be a hobby. It could be a job. It could be going to the lake. It could be playing golf or whatever. We find these things and then our spouse begins to resent those things and, there, and then there's this vicious cycle of us going back to this thing that we need to sacrifice but we don't want to because we're finding fulfillment in that thing. You know what's going to take for us to sacrifice some of these things? It's faith. It's saying that, you know what? I know I've been looking to another friendship. I've been looking to my mom, my dad, my my child. I've been looking to my job to be fulfilled. But because I know that I'm supposed to put my spouse first, I'm going to lay that thing or that person on the altar, walk in faith and trust that that if I begin to obey this law, then my marriage will be blessed. This is what it's, this is, this is, for many of us, this is what it's going to take for us to sacrifice those things that are keeping our spouse out of the right place in our life. It's faith. Number one, sacrifice. Number two, time. Time is probably the most, one of the most important things in a marriage. It, I like how Jimmy Evans puts it. It's the essential commodity of marriage. It's the thing that our, that our marriages thrive on. 
when you're eating, when you're going out to, to dinner, and, you, and let's say you're, you're having a, a meeting with a, with a friend, or um, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a, work, uh, a work dinner, work lunch, or whatever, and somebody calls you, what happens? And it's a, let's say that person's important to you, that you're, that you're eating with, and somebody calls, what do you do? You look at it, and then you put your phone down, right? But what happens if it's your spouse? Hey, what's up? What's up, mom? I haven't talked to you in a while. And, this, and we totally forget about the per, our spouse who's sitting in front of us. How many of y'all are guilty of that? I know that, um, I know that my dad um, and my mom and dad have worked through this. And uh, my dad, if you, if, you ever, if you ever saw him at a restaurant, what would he do? If you know, all that know my dad, he'd go up to you, right? Go talk to you, say hello. Well, after a while, my, my mom would say, hey, you came to eat with me. I'm glad you're, you see all these people and you want to say hello. But remember, I'm, I'm first priority. My dad has since adjusted that. And so it's very easy for us to, to, again, to pay attention to other people, but you have to remember that, that our spouses have to have first priority. You have to begin, you have to say, I'm going to sacrifice being connected with, with everyone else on earth for as long as it takes for me to bond with you. This is, this is, um, t- this is giving up time. I'm not going to talk to this person, my friend that I've been talking to every day this, for the last month or two months, because it's getting in the way of my priority with my spouse. I'll also say this, guys, if you're not careful, uh, your phone will destroy your relationship. We've all seen memes on Facebook, but if you're constantly on your phone and constantly paying attention to what's going on in the social media feed or what's going on in the world or whatever game's on your phone, it will destroy your relationship. We have to learn to put our phones down and have uh, good communication with the, with the person we're living with. And that includes our kids as well. Number one, sacrifice. Number two, time. We have to give time to our spouses. Number three is energy. I'm going to talk more about that in, our second, in, our, in the second law. And then number four is attitude. You have to have this attitude, I want to be with you. Here's another thing. Did you know attitude is a choice? You choose to have the right attitude. You choose to have the right attitude. How many of y'all just love getting up every morning and going to work? Let me tell you, I love what I do, but I still don't feel that way every day. You have to have the right attitude. Hey, I want to be with you. How much would that mean? How much would that mean to you for your spouse to say, "Hey, I want to be with you. I want to. I want to make this work. I want to make you happy. I want to. I want to help fulfill your dreams and passions." It means a lot. Attitude is a lot. Sacrifice, time, energy, and, um, and then attitude. The law, number one law of marriage is the law of priority, and it only works in first place. This is what your spouse needs, that you'll make changes in your life to put them first. It's really important, the law of priority. Okay, let's keep reading. Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. This is the second law, hold fast to his wife. The word hold fast uh, in other translations, is to be joined to or to cleave to. It's the idea that you're going to hold on, you're going to hold, uh, cling to your spouse with all of your energy, with all of your might. This is, this is the intention when, when Moses is, is writing this, that you are to hold fast to your spouse uh, with all of your energy. You know what it takes to cling on to your, your husband or your, or your wife like that? It takes work. The second law of marriage is the law of work. Marriage is great when you work at it. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm gonna, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. 
Think back to when you first got, when you were first dating, and even when you first got engaged. Guys, what did you have to do to convince your spouse to go on a date with you to begin with, and then to go on the second date, and then to eventually you propose to her, and eventually convince her, you know, propose, you said yes, and eventually y'all walked on that. What did it take for you to get from that first moment to to the altar? It took work. (laughs) <laughs> Here's something funny. Oh, this is good. What if, if today you weren't married to your spouse and you walked up to your spouse the way you think, the way you look, and you asked them to marry you? What do you think they would say? You see, do you see? Right? Yeah, right. There we go. It took work for you to start off the relationship. I really believe that if we can just go back to what we were doing at the beginning in our relationship, in our relationships, in our marriage relationships, then we would see the results. Y'all put so much work in that, that she actually uh, walked down the aisle with you. That's the type of work that we have to begin to put in today. I want to I give you a couple misconceptions this morning. This is the first one. If I marry the right person... The emotions will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout our marriage. If I marry the right person, this is what a lot of people believe. If I marry the right person, the emotions will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout our marriage. Every morning you'll be able to wake up and say, man, I can't believe I married this person. One year later, two years later, man, they're just so beautiful laying next to me without their makeup on, without their eyelashes on, without their, their hair on, with, the, with his, his, his nasty breath and he's got snot everywhere. Man, I'm just so happy he's... The emotion, we have these emotions that are just going to carry us through. How many of you know that's just a lie? <laughs> that's just, it's, I mean, I don't have to even explain that. But somehow we believe this. Some of us believe this. I, I, I personally know about this. It's, it's something that, that in my relationship I had, had to deal with. That if I marry the right person, then emotions will naturally happen. They're just going to be there. It'll be there forever. It's not true. Many believe something is wrong if you have to work at marriage. Did you know marriage is work? And not, is it just work? It's supposed to be work. People believe, I find my soulmate. Again, you're just going to be on cloud nine and things are just going to be roses and it's gonna, everything's going to smell good all the time. It's going to look good. Two things about your soulmate. They're messed up and soulmates are, are not born. They are made. The person that God has for you is out there, but it's, they're not just going to come to you and you're just going to click. Now, the, now you're going to find somebody who is custom for you, but it's going to take work to keep that marriage connected the way it's supposed to be. Best marriages are not two people who come together and the chemistry sparks and, and things just begin to work out. The best marriages are two people who are many times incompatible. They have baggage. They have their, their, their hiccups, they have those things that, that, that are not attractive, but they put the work in, and they put each other first, and they honor this law, and then they have a good marriage. That is what great marriages are all about, and they come out as best friends. You have to choose, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, love is a choice, you have to choose. You have to choose to put your spouse first, and you have to choose to put in the work. Number, the second misconception is this. If my emotions change 
towards my spouse, I must have married the wrong person. Many of people believe that. What do we learn about love? A couple weeks ago, love is definitely a feeling, but it's first a choice. It's first a choice. Jesus chose to don the cross for us before we did anything that made him feel good about us. We didn't make any, we didn't, we, we were sinners. We were rejecting him and he still died on the cross for us. Your emotions are going to always change. They're always going to change. You can, your love can be based on something that always changes or can be based on a choice. What you're saying when you get married, you say this, I'm going to live my life serving my spouse forever. Many people don't realize this, but this is a reason that you get married, so that you serve your spouse, not so that you're served. Love is not about self-service. Love is about selflessness. You are not married to your spouse for what you can get out of the relationship. Now, will you get things out of the relationship? Absolutely. It's the relationship that... Do we get anything out of our relationship with Jesus? Yeah, we get a lot of things, but we have to put in the work. You will get, you will get um, what you need out of your relationship with your spouse, but you have, to choose, uh, you have to choose to be with your spouse and love them no matter what. Number three, the third misconception is this. Positive events, experiences, and action, actions should, full, should fuel the emotions in our relationship long term. I'm going to say that again. Positive events, experiences, and actions should fuel the emotions in our relationship long term. What does that mean? For men, this is what this, this means, that if I buy her roses, if I take her on this trip, I should be good for a few months. I don't have to put in the work. I don't have to put in a lot of work. You know, men think in terms of points. How many points can I score? How many, how, what can I do to make her happy? What can I do to get her off my back for a little bit? <laughs> that's sad just hearing that, but that's, um, that's the way some men think. Marriage is a daily thing. It's a daily thing. You have to put in the work. Again, go, I'm going to go back. I love this analogy. I'm going to go back to when you were dating. Women, did your, did your husband uh, text or call you every day when you were dating? What if he said, what if he said hey, I'll call you in a few days? I'll, I'll talk to you in a few days or, or next week. And then say the next week he decided to propose to you. What would you say? No, I haven't even talked to you the last couple of weeks. Why, should I, why do you think I'm going to go? If you're treating me this way now, what makes you think is going to happen when I marry you and, and then you're really not talking to me, not paying attention to me? All points evaporate at midnight. <laughs> so what you did that day has no benefit for the next day. It doesn't work that way. Number four, the fourth misconception is this. When we fall out of love, there's no way to get the love back. A lot of people believe this. That when I, when I no longer feel strongly about my spouse, when I no longer feel the way when I first met with my spouse, there's no way to get the love back. In Revelation 2, uh, God is uh, addressing several churches in the book of Revelation. And one of the churches, the church of Ephesus, he says, I know your works. I know your endurance. Have you not put up with people who don't love me? I know you've, you've done all the right things. You've served people well, but I have this against you. You've abandoned your first love. You've abandoned your first love. Jimmy tells a story that whenever... Uh, whenever he and, and Karen were, were first married, um, that 
he was he loved playing golf. He loved he loved playing. He, that was his hobby, and he says that golf became his first priority, and it was a real issue in in his relationship. And he says it it came to one point. He tells this story many times. I think we've maybe even heard it in here. Um, he says one day he just told his his spouse to leave, leave the house. She was complaining about him playing golf, and he decided to leave. And she he decided to tell her, "Hey, I don't want you in my house anymore." And he said at that point, they were completely out of love. There was no desire to be together. There was probably even no attraction. There was nothing. And he thought, well, the only option is divorce. Many people believe that when you get to this point, divorce is the only option. And it's a lie that the enemy tells us. And it's a hard thing to understand that when you get so much out of love, how can you get back in love? Because we don't understand what love is. We think love is simply an emotion. If it's an emotion, sometimes it's there. Hopefully it stays. If it doesn't, then I guess I married the wrong person or it's time to move on. He says that the Lord convicted him and they simply began to do what they did at the beginning of the relationship. They began to pursue each other. And it says in just a few weeks, they were more in love than they had ever been. Than they had ever been. Why? Because they chose to put each other first and begin to work at the relationship and pursue each other. He said it didn't take forever. I just want to. I just want to. I just want to encourage those who are here. If this is a lie that the enemy has alive in your relationship today, I want you to recognize that it's a lie, and that. I think as I've read these misconceptions that you understand, oh yeah, they're wrong, but what the enemy does is he takes them and Taylor fits them for our situation and says, oh, this is why, this is why you have to move on, or this is, oh, this is why you're out of love, this is, it's not going to work. You have a 100% chance of having a successful marriage when you do it God's way. If you will just learn to put your spouse first and begin to put in the work like you did when you first got married, you will have a better marriage than you ever have. Remember, these are laws. And I remember a while back um, when I was looking at these different laws. Laws on earth are when, you are, when you are speeding, who's in charge of making sure you don't speed? Police officers, right? And if they catch you and you're going fast enough, then they'll give you a ticket. On earth, we can get away with breaking laws sometimes. The Bible says um, that your sins, your sins will find you out. So eventually, if you continue to break laws, your sins will find you out. But here's the deal about the Lord. Whenever you break a law or keep a law, the Lord always sees. He's not man that misses anything. He sees everything. So if you are breaking a law, and if you're breaking a law intentionally, then you can be sure that God sees. And he's going to repay you according to how, how much you're breaking that law. But if you are keeping the law, and this is, uh, this is the reason I'm saying this, because many of you are going to have to step out in faith and begin to put your spouse first, even though the, the person sitting next to you or your spouse who isn't here isn't putting you first. And you're going to have to do it without them noticing, paying attention, or anyone else noticing. But guess what? God sees. And if God sees, he knows how to pay us back and, and bless your marriage. This really is, these laws really are, we're really having to learn to step out in faith and put God first and also work. You're going to have to work like you did or even more so than when you first got married. 
Your, again, your spouse may not see. You may, God, your spouse may not see that you're honoring this law, keeping this law, but if you continue to honor God's laws, you will have a, a life that is, a, a marriage that is full of life, that's full of peace. And it may, it may not happen, it may not happen with both of y'all together, but you'll begin to see it in your, in your, in your personal life. And remember, you're married to Jesus first. You can have peace and joy. All the things that you want in marriage, you, get, you have it in him first. I'm married to Jesus. And it's something I, I, I said several weeks ago when we started this, this series. I was reminded that I'm married to Jesus. I have, I have as much peace and joy now than I can have when I'm married because I have him first. You can have that too because you're first married to him. Let's all stand.